Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Building a Life and Business Together. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft. And we are going to take a break from our coverage of The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Possibly a permanent break. (laughs) What do you think, babe? I think I gave it a really good try. Here's, Here's the situation. The book, The Big Leap, was an incredibly transformative book in my journey. For Stephanie, not so much. I understand the importance of of finding what you were created to do. Can you move that flame? Because it is flickering in my eye. Flickering in your eye? Yeah. Is that okay right there? It's It's fine over there. I was catching it in my... It, it was just... Yeah. So the flame she's referring to is the candle that I have litten. Litten? You like litten? that? I litten yeah, that just, candle. I'm just making up my own words I'm now. making up words. I've litten a flame in a... Lit. I lit a flame. And I like to... I like. I always like to light a candle when I am doing something that is inspired work. Okay. And I find that my... Ever since I was a, I was a child... I've always been drawn to a flame, and a flame has always spoke something to me and has inspired me, and so I like to light a flame. Uh, For for the last several years, I've been, every time I do coaching, I have lit a flame, and do you know how many, it's only recently that I've gone to pillar candles. Oh, I know. You've been through quite a few tea lights. About 300 or more tea lights. I was, yeah, quite a few. Yep. Anyway... So, uh, big leap. So, I understand the importance of the message. I understand finding what you were created to do. Um, I even understand the upper limit challenge, the upper limit challenge, and and all of these, and gaze in how his book and his message is putting emphasis on making money from what you were created to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think the two have to be mutually exclusive, right? And um, and so I, I understand with the, I just think that we just don't vibrate on the same frequency. I am not, I am not resonating with his voice. Yes, that is clearly that. And that has been what has come up for us as we've been doing this content week to week. I do resonate with the message. I do resonate with Gay's voice, although one of the things that I have noticed is that it seems to me like as we were going through it, I know that you're not resonating with his voice, his way of explaining the details. It's not that you don't believe in the in the message, because I know that you do. It's just that the approach and also just his voice just does not resonate with you. The only thing is, is that for me, I feel like th- this was such a pivotal, like, mind blown kind of introduction to some of these concepts and they spoke to me in such an incredibly powerful way in 2017 i fully implemented and integrated all of that inspiration and stuff like that and now as i go back and i reread this it's like now i understand how some people can go through this and say that's not that big of a deal although Many people who rush through this book who still have not integrated their zone of genius, who have no idea what their zone of genius are, and who are stuck 
in incredibly profitable careers that are absolutely life-sucking and and feel like they're just not fulfilled in life, there's something to be said for what's in this book, The Big Leap. I encourage you to continue reading this book and and get into that message about the at the end, especially in the chapter where it starts to ask you questions about how to discern what is your zone of genius. Like for the, there are some questions that it's going to get to where it says, "What is it that you do that never feels like work? Like you could sit there and do this all day long and never get bored or tired." So that's one question it's going to ask you. The other thing it's going to ask you is, "What's what's something that you do in work that provides the highest ratio or return on?" investment when it comes to abundance and success and and just overall positive feelings what is what are what are the activities you do in your work that provide the highest ratio on return versus the amount of time spent meaning just a few minutes of this can provide massive results what are those few things that you do and then the next one is something like what is your unique ability what is it you know what is it that you most love to do and when you are doing that, the exact thing you are doing is, and it's fill in the blank. And what, what is it that you most love about doing that thing? And this helps you uncover that zone of genius. If you've not uncovered your zone of genius, I would encourage you to reach out to me personally, schedule a one-on-one coaching call, and I would love to help you discover what your zone of genius is. And, and you, you may or may not want to finish reading the book. I know Stephanie doesn't want to go through it again. And I kind of felt like, I think I'm done with it as well. I have my notes. I've read this book three or four times. I've got lots of notes on it. I've walked at least 50 people through the discovery of their zone of genius and helped them find ways to implement it either in their existing work that they didn't think was possible or helping them create new work that would allow them to be more of who they're who they feel called to be in the world. So, with that being said, uh decision just got made right now, effective immediately. We're not going to return to the zone of or to, to, to the, the big, big leap. leap. Uh we may we may bring some other books into the future conversations. May we may not, but we're still going to continue this podcast. Yes. Today, we're going to focus on building the life part of the equation when it comes to the title. So we talk about building a life and a business you love. But today, we're not going to talk about the business side of things at all. We're going to talk about starting with life. And I want Stephanie, we, we have alluded to Stephanie's mountaintop experience. <laughs> You're the one who calls it that. <laughs> I do call it that uh, because I think it's appropriate. I think it's a great title. So today, we're just going to go straight into having Stephanie talk about her mountaintop experience. And you, you said, we went out to lunch and I said, do you want to create an outline for how you'd share this? And you, no, nah, just speak from my heart. I'm not really an outline kind of girl. I know you're not. And so I'm going to go close the closet door while you tell people where you want to start. Okay, so, and then when you come back, I think I would prefer you to ask questions, like, to lead me, to, to jog my memory. Um, so, it started probably in 2010, 2011, um, somewhere along those lines, I was introduced to the book Captivating. By John Eldridge. By and John and Stacy Eldridge. Eldridge. And I went through it um, as... I'm almost positive the first time I did that, what 
Hmm. I don't know if I ever did that as like one of the big Bible studies that I did when we were going to first church or if it was just um, a friend suggested it and so I read it personally. But I do know that after I read that, that book, um, I then <laughs> led several small groups through that book as well. You did. One being, one being um, my sister, my sister-in-law's and my stepmom. Like we, we went through that book together. And, did you um, make it through the whole book? I don't believe we did. Okay. Not and my call. I understand. Not my call, but I don't. So, so he, my friend Sarah comes to me and says, they do, they, John and Stacy Eldridge, um, have, she's going to have a retreat called Captivating, which is kind of like, what was the book that he wrote? Uh, wild the, at heart. Wild at heart. And so I was always told that captivating was like the woman's version of wild at heart. And um, and so there, the wild at heart. He does this big retreat. It's this. It, it was a big deal in um, in that. In I don't want to say in that world, but but in, in the in, Christian in the, circles which no, we were a part of. Yeah, but that's not even what I mean in the John and Stacy Eldridge where like if you read Wild at Heart and you get to go to this Wild at Heart retreat, that's a big deal. Yes. Um and and so Sarah comes and they're going to do a captivating retreat and she's super excited and can we go together? Okay. I I mean, sure, I'll go. That sounds like it could be a good time. We could have a good, you know, um girl time. And and I'll go experience this with you. So Sarah is the one who suggested this. And um, and so talk to you. You are are full on board. I'm pretty sure you booked both of our plane tickets and you know bought our admission like right then and there, or, or my admission right then and there. And um, and it, it's a done deal. Travels being made. Kid arrangements are being made. Like it, it's it's happening. We're going. And um. A couple of weeks before we were, or maybe it was even farther than that out, um, Sarah comes in and she can't go. Um, something has, has happened. She has an obligation that she has to be at, so she cannot go. My ticket has been purchased. My airline has been purchased. I'm going. Um, I had a lot of anxiety about going on my own. I had never flown by myself before, and um, so so that was a that was a very big deal. What was I? Thirty three years old, I think. Um, and I, I remember I remember my layover being like, "Am I going to figure this out? Like, how am I going to figure this out on my own? I don't I don't travel alone. It, it's not something that I. It's not something that I do, and." And then I, I got off my first plane and the next gate over was was my boarding flight. I'm that like, was right, nice. I think I figured this out. Um but 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 so going by myself was a very big deal. Um the reason that I was going in the beginning in the first place was was for Sarah. And you know, she wanted to have this experience with me. And and um 
So on that flight, I had to completely reframe why I was there. And what, let me ask you, so you said the, you'd like me to ask you questions along sure. the way to help you recall sure. some of the things that you might leave yeah. out. So tell me about on the flight there, how did you reframe why you were going? What, like, what thoughts were going through your mind? I don't, I don't know. I don't know because I don't think when I got off that plane, when I got off that plane, I had reframed why I was there. And... And so going in, like even getting, you know, getting off the plane and and finding the the meetup to where we got on the bus to go up into, um, I'm smacking things because I talk with my hands. (laughs) (laughs) And, And so, you know, we flew into Denver and then it's like an hour and a half, two hour bus ride up into the Rocky Mountains to this, I don't remember what town we went to. I cannot remember it. I don't know. Anyway. It'd probably be worth looking up at some point. We have looked it up. I just can't make my brain hold on to it. That's fine. So question for you, this bus ride up into the mountains, This was this something that the Eldridge uh, organization put together yes. for all the people who are flying in yes. to travel together? So a together? group of women, you know, meet in a designated place in the airport and you know and you all f- we all get on toss the- your luggage in and and you're riding so let me ask you this yes. uh, so this is a how many it's like what two hour drive it was an hour and a half to two hours i think yeah okay and of course this is from the denver airport and yeah. up into the mountains yes. the rocky mountains yes. which i've now been th- to up into the rocky mountains twice once with you once with matthew and i absolutely love it but I'm so I'm trying to imagine um, you're on this bus with all these other women. Did you sit next to someone on the bus, or were you by yourself? I do not remember. Okay, I absolutely don't remember. I don't remember speaking to another soul until the first meal that we had upon arrival. And so, I can't tell you if that was lunch or dinner or or whatnot. I I don't know. So tell me about anything you can recall on the way from the airport up into the mountains. So I have, um, (laughs) just lay it out there. I have trust issues. So meeting new people can cause anxiety at that point in my life. So hold on one second. I I want to ask if this is more accurate. I had trust issues. No. Still do. (laughs) Okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm, Um, I want to know. No. Yeah. Yeah. I um I don't believe that I have trust issues any longer. So had have had had would be correct language, but I don't have trust issues because the boundaries that I set around myself are wrapped in electric barbed wire. <laughs> and so untrustworthy people cannot get in right okay, okay. that's that's so, fair so is that is that yeah, fair? You, so, you you don't immediately give people your trust i do not it had that there's a standard for which you will have a discerning process yes of who gets your trust but back then what i'm hearing you say is that i just didn't trust anybody well that's just it trust no one so that's <laughs> that's yes fair so enough. um so I'm on the bus. I'm I'm apprehensive about meeting new people. Um, I'm anxious about being alone. 
and we get out of of Denver and we start our trek up and the snow starts to appear on the mountains and that was the first time I literally remember thinking I've met Jesus because that was the most majestic thing I had ever seen in my life ever and 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 I I specifically remember the word majestic, which is not a word that I use in my daily language. Yeah. Still not a word that I use except to describe this first view of the Rocky Mountains. With the snow. With the snow. And 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 if you know me, I don't do cold. I don't do snow. It's not my thing. But in that moment, majestic seeing those the the rocks and the snow and, and it was beyond anything I had ever seen before. In in my spiritual journey that I've had, I've come to recognize there's something about mountains that that have a way of communicating. See, and and yeah, and we've had this conversation privately before and all mountains speak to you. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't happen to me. Right. It was something about those rocks and it, I I just Yep. Yeah. I understand. Um And so now I've had this this moment that that I couldn't describe. I couldn't know. Yeah, I couldn't describe. I couldn't explain to myself what happened. But you. But uh, but I had a shift. I I was going to say it seemed like you had a shift. (laughs) Yeah, and I couldn't explain it. I didn't understand it. But going up into those mountains, there was a shift inside of me that. that confused me okay. quite on it, it confused me um so we go in we, we you know we got room assignments and they're like four bunk beds so there's like eight women to a room and um i had a bottom bunk it was i don't remember who i roomed with i don't i think that's one of the i think that that is one of the funniest things i don't i remember one woman that i met i do not remember her name um, but I remember the way she hugged me. And when I get more in into my story and you learn that I had some serious mommy issues <laughs> and the way that she held me, I had never been held like that before. Mm. And, and so I, I thought that's, like she hugged me. She didn't she didn't pat me on the back, which is a sign of uncomfort in a hug. She didn't um you know rub my back. It wasn't a side hug. It she held me. She let me break away first. Like it it was it it was one of the most comforting things that I have ever experienced in my life. And um, I do not remember her name. It's in my notes somewhere. Okay. And um, and we had every meal together while we were there with with a group with a group of of other women. And um, and so and then the session started, and there were and there was worship and there were um 
sessions where where there would be a speaker or you know they would show a video um stacy eldridge did a lot of of the the leading and and the talking and and um the the days went on i don't even remember how many days it was like three or four maybe because when i came to the most pivotal moment of my life um I, I, again, I don't remember what day it was. I don't remember how far we were in, but I know that it changed me. And, um, and I enjoyed the entire weekend or, or days. I, I, I always say weekend because like that's, you, you would assume it would be on a weekend. So you don't miss work or whatever, but, um, I enjoyed the entire time that I was there. I learned, I took so many notes. Um, I wrote down the songs that we were singing that moved me. Um, but I remember we came in one day from lunch and um, I take my, I, I, <laughs> I look up, Did I, was it on the board or did they speak it? I don't know, but they said, all right, today we're gonna cover like this session, we're going to cover the chapter in the book titled Mothers, Sisters, and Daughters. And I plopped my butt in the seat and I'm like, I am not down for this. Because let me tell you, I read the book on my own many times. I led several small groups through the book. I never covered that chapter. Did, when you read it, the book by yourself, did you read that chapter? No, I skipped it. You skipped that chapter when you read I this have book. never, okay, I have never read that chapter of this book. Wow. Still to this day, I have never read that chapter of this book. It'd be interesting to read this it would book be a- <laughs> and with you and have you read that <laughs> chapter. It, it would, now it would, now it would mean something completely different yeah. than, than what it would have meant then. Um, and... And they even say, they're like, I know that this is going to be hard for some people. I know that, um, I, I know that some of you are going to want to leave. I know that. And, and so they're going through, you know, this disclaimer, basically. And some people did get up and leave. Wow. So, some people really did get up and leave. And there was a very large part of me that wanted to get up and leave. And, um, but I didn't. I sat there with my arms crossed because, you know, I was in a protective mode. And um, with this attitude that didn't jive with the way I was feeling the rest of the weekend. And um, and I sat there listening while, um, while she scraped at the scab that I had over this massive wound that was um, internal inside of me. And um, I don't remember the session. I remember my posture. I remember my attitude. And I remember the prayer. And it was the prayer that changed my life. Um, when she was rapping, she said she was going to close the session in prayer. And well, for, I can tell you that during the session, she talks about the mother wound 
I'm sure the chapter talks about the mother wound as well, that we all have one. It doesn't matter what our relationship with our um, mother looked like. We're all going to come out with a mother wound. Well, I had the mother of all mother wounds <laughs> in my mind. And, um, and she says she's going to end the, the session in prayer. And... Um, and so she starts and she says, you know, um, there are so many of you sitting here right now that need to hear something from, from your mother. And some of you need to hear that you are enough. And some of you need to hear that you are um, worthy. And, and she's naming all of these things. And I'm sitting there with number one, let me tell you, I never uncrossed my arms. And I did not close my eyes to pray. <laughs> I was in straight up defiant mode. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to just hold it. So let's make sure we don't have a kid wrecked on the side of the road. So no. since we've been recording, it's been a lot of phone calls that have been trying to come through. Who Who is it that's been it trying to It is my son who wants to know if I know, who's 20 years old and wants to know if I know what size pants he wears. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, so just stand so, by. We're, I got it. I'm, right. I'm done. Um, and uh, he just got a job and he needs to get jeans yep. for his job. And yes, we have a 20-year-old who does not wear blue jeans. And so he needs to go buy a pair specifically for work. So um, so I'm sitting there with my arms crossed, my chip on my shoulder, and my eyes opened. And she's naming all of these things that you're worthy and that you're enough and that you're loved and that you're beautiful and that you, all of these things that girls and women want to hear from from their mother. And I'm sitting there going... That's not what I need to hear. That's not what I need. That's not what I want to hear. That's not what I would. The whole time, I'm like, you're you're not getting it. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. And Stacy Eldridge turns, makes eye contact with me, and says, "I'm sorry." And those two words changed my life, because Stacy wasn't saying I'm sorry. God was saying I'm sorry. for not for anything that he had done but to cover what someone else had done and i i think of the time when we went to see dave ramsey yeah and he talks about being debt being in debt being weighted down with chains and being the dramatic dude that he is he absolutely he actually wraps himself in chains and walks out on stage and he, he is wrapped up in this huge chain link. I'm sorry. And my chains fell off. I was no longer weighted by the pain and the torment and the neglect and the desire and the want that, had I, that I had been dragging with me for 33 years. <laughs> and I ugly cried. 
because that's the only thing to do in that moment is to ugly cry. And um, I actually went, I actually stood in line. We should, we should, we should normalize a new description of that. What was once called ugly cry is therapeutically released all of that emotion because yeah. it's not ugly at all it's not well, carrie it's, underwood says you, you can't cry pretty <laughs> so it, it's actually one of the most was, beautiful things i think one can do is yeah. to have what is known as an ugly cry and i, I think it I, I i just just as a note I, I think it's really sad that we've been conditioned to think that that much of an emotional release has anything to do with being ugly mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I do. I think I do. that's sad. I, yeah. I, I, it's a sad commentary that that's the way we've been domesticated yeah. is to believe that that release of that kind of emotion, that raw passion, just let it all out and receive the healing that comes from it, that that is somehow ugly. Yes. I don't mean to distract from no, your story, no, but that's, I, I just want so. But so, so you had this release. So I, I had a an absolute healing cathartic release and i got up and i stand stood in line and i told stacy exactly what it meant to me and um one of my favorite things about the way they designed that retreat was there were many times that were just quiet times we had had our sessions we had had our group work we had you know all the but then you were released into times of just quiet you could pray, you could, you know, meditate, you could take a nap, you could, you know, whatever, um, you were released into quiet times. And so after that, we were released into a quiet time and um, I don't remember mine because I think I was, I, if I had to imagine, I was just still dumbfounded by the new Stephanie that was within me. Mm. I didn't know what it felt like to not be weighted down by all of the things that I had been carrying. Some of them I didn't even know were weighing me down. And the other thing that I absolutely remember with all certainty is that the next day I had a migraine. And I was like, this is not, this is not fair. I'm gonna miss the end of this thing. And um, I'm gonna miss the end in the, in the rap because I can't, I, I have this migraine. Like medication wasn't helping. It had been building for, you know, a while. And um, it, we're on the top of the mountain and the sun is shining on the white snow that comes up to like my knee and I couldn't open my eyes outside because it was too bright and which another thing you need my eyes are very sensitive to light it was very bright up there and um and so I'm getting this migraine and I'm like I can't see I can't go outside because I can't put my sunglasses on can't put my sunglasses on because I can't put my contacts in (laughs) it was just what and um and I'm sitting on the bed trying to decide if I'm just going to, you know, kind of like suffer through it and and go anyway. When this gentle voice inside of me says, you have the power within you to get rid of this migraine. 
I was like, huh, really? (laughs) (laughs) And I remember laying down and, and I don't know if it was like when I sit up, this migraine's going to be gone and I'm going to be able to complete the day. I, I don't remember how it was, how it went, but I remember that voice telling me that I had the power to move on from the migraine and then it'd be gone and I went I put my contacts in and I got my sunglasses and I finished the day and I was migraine free and And so I had this, I, I feel like, I, I honestly, there are times when I feel like I don't remember a lot of that whole weekend that totally changed who I am. Because by the time I put myself back on that bus and I drove back through those majestic mountains and they dropped me off at the airport, no, at a hotel um, in Denver because I flew out the next day. I got in my hotel room. I... Um, <laughs> I ordered my favorite food on the planet from the restaurant downstairs. I had um, ni- um, nachos. I had bison nachos. They were delicious. <laughs> and I watched the Super Bowl um, in my hotel room by myself. And I remember um, calling Cliff and saying, like, I just, there's so much. There's so much. But I don't, I, like, I don't remember telling you about it. I don't remember. I remember trying to tell you about it, but I I don't remember how that went or or anything like that. But I honestly can tell you that I came back different. Um, Some would say I had zero Fs to give, which I, I don't. Some would say I just, I was no longer carrying the weight of the chains that I had been dragging my entire life. Um, I no longer cared about, so back when I was 19 and a little apprehensive to be, you know, a pastor's wife and a friend said to break the mold. Why I'd spent a decade trying to break the mold, but living with the guilt for the people who shamed me because I was breaking the mold. <laughs> there was lots of, sh- there was, there was shade thrown and another way there was shame thrown and shame on you and you should feel so guilty. I burnt the mold and I understood that the shame had more to do with them than it had to do with me. Mm -hmm. And I stopped living under the definition. Uh, This was actually a prayer that I made in 2012 that I would find who I truly was and not who others defined me to be. I was no longer Stephanie the bubble butt or Stephanie the girl with thick thighs or thick is my word. I'm being generous to what people actually said like people who are related to me who have the same body as I do and shamed me for the way that I look or the way that I'm made and um and the way that the the 
people of the church thought I had to act or the way that I had to talk or the language that I had to use. And um, I dropped all of that. And I began to find out who I was and who God created me to be on this earth and what my role was to play. And I stopped giving power to other people to define me. That's the way I came back. And that's the way I've lived the last 10 years of my life. Yep. And so I don't know if that, if that correctly describes my mountaintop experience. But in that one moment, when she made eye contact with me, and the words, I'm sorry, left her mouth, radically changed my entire life. It's when you don't, here's the thing, sitting there, I knew that those were the words that I wanted to hear. I knew it because she's saying, I'm not enough. I'm not worthy, you know, or I am enough. Maybe you need to hear I am enough and I am worthy and, and, and I, you are beautiful. And you're, and I'm sitting there thinking none of those are the words because the words that I need to hear are, I'm sorry. I'm thinking that in my head when she turns and looks at me and says, I'm sorry, rattled to my bones changed profoundly forever yeah it yeah that that's my mountaintop story that that is and so question for you is mm-hmm. how did your what what did that look like in your day-to-day life when you came back home how how did things change well, things didn't change when I came home. I, I still, um, I, I, I still, I came home. I took care of my kids. I made dinner. I just, but when I threw a snarky comment back, I didn't worry about how anybody else took it because <laughs> it was just me, and it was what I had to say. Yeah, and what I, um, I don't know that. I think that. I think that coming back was a bigger change for the people that I came back to than it was for me. Yeah. Because I came back, I lived, I did the same activities. I went to the same small groups. I, you know, took my kids to the same Christian preschool. I, I came back and continued to do the things that were in my schedule that were in my life. I was just free to do them as me. You were free, yes that and that's that's the way that I would understand what I saw is that you're free to be the fullest expression of yourself with you were you were doing all of the things that you were doing more authentically to who you are without carrying any guilt without carrying any shame related to who you are and what you just did or what you just said or how you did it or how you said it zero F's given is one way to describe it, but it's not necessarily that you still had a love and a care and a compassion and a respect for others, but not once since you came back from Colorado, have I ever seen you hand anybody the ability uh, to, to cast shame or guilt in your direction. It's like, listen, that stuff ain't hitting this fan. It's not because it's not, it's not about me. It's about how they perceive me. 
and why would I take that on myself? Yeah. You can say whatever you want about me, but that is not that has everything to do with you and, and nothing. nothing to do with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is what that is what fell away. And I honestly believe I am not a people pleaser by design, but I was a people pleaser by conditioning. Yes. And my desire to please people died in Colorado. And it was never coming back. <laughs> um, and it amazes me so much now looking back how dealing with the one I'm just going to say it how dealing with the one toxic relationship that held so much power over me changed my entire being it it really it really still amazes me. Yeah. The so first and foremost, I could tell you it. I loved the. He's like, dang it! Why did I pay for that? <laughs> no, I loved the transformation that happened, and in, and in many ways, <laughs> there might have been a bit of me that was envious of yours, your transformation because I had not experienced that amount of freedom at the time. And I saw, and, and I was a little, I, it's like taken aback. It's like, wait a second, you're, you're not this obedient, uh, submissive wife that I once had. <laughs> sure, I never was. But, <laughs> well, you were, but you yeah. were, you were never a ten out of ten on the submissive scale. But <laughs> there might but, have been the illusion. <laughs> but, there, it, but at least you played the game. <laughs> I played the- uh, but but you was playing, and it's not that I wanted that. It's just that I had been conditioned to think that that's that's, that's what it, it meant to have a good marriage and and. And and again, I was I was just as conditioned as anyone else, and and so it it was it was a change. But I can tell you what right now that I had while I experienced frustration at times with your freedom to be fully who you are, um, and and me dealing with how I'm dealing with it is like that's on you. Not that you said that, but <laughs> I, I could tell. That I could tell. It's like listen, you, you go work on whatever you feel about what I just said. Uh, <laughs> that's that's you. And so I experienced some frustration. But I got to tell you, I've when I tell people today that you and I have been married for more than 25 years, and I'm more in love with you now than I ever have been. And the the amount of love and and just pure connection that I feel with you is be it's exponentially beyond anything that I ever experienced when we were dating and when we first got married in those first few years, which were I mean they were great, L- lots of issues that needed to be ironed out, but still I mean like learning how to learning live together. how to live together, mm-hmm. but still. You know, if I think about all the infatuation and all the love chemicals and all the, you know, the attraction and all the other stuff, those were great. 
<laughs> you know, they really were, but they're nothing compared to the love and and the connection that we have today. And so much of that has been, it's like, wow, I'm truly seeing you for the divine soul in this human experience that you uniquely are, and you're breaking free from all of the other quote-unquote prescribed ways that you should show up in this world so that you could be more like other people, more like this. You should be more like that. You should be more like this. You should act like this. I was made to be just like Stephanie. Yes. I was not made to be more like anyone else. And, And that's what you broke free from. And honestly, there was a time when I really believed that I wanted an ideal wife, like I wanted a wife that was more like this, a wife that was more like this, and a wife, and and I felt like, wow, this is really great. Stephanie's becoming more and more like this wife, which is a ridiculous thing to even say out loud. But I don't know that I ever consciously thought that. But I, but there was the, that mm-hmm. was the relationship, right? Um, but you came back and you're like, listen, I, I'm done playing this game. I, I I will not be the pastor's wife that fits this mold. I will not be this kind of mom. I will not be this kind of daughter. I will not be this kind of friend to these friends. I will not be this kind of church member. I will not be this kind, just everything. Every label you could put on Stephanie, she was like, I, I, shed. I will, no, I am not putting that label on. You, you keep that label for I yourself. I shed the skin that the first 33 years of my life gave me. And I lived in the true skin that I was supposed to. Yeah. Eventually, this radically impacted me as well. Um, it took it took me a while to catch on. Uh, but it, it, but as it did, it was already impacting the way that you showed up as a mom to our our children. Uh, and then eventually, it, thankfully, it, it it rubbed off and or at least influenced some of my ability to shed some of that stuff as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's changed the way that we parent our children and giving them the freedom and flexibility to express fully their unique selves. There's mm-hmm. nobody like, you don't need to be like anyone else. You don't need to get, I mean, this is funny. I don't mean, I don't want to make any of this about me. This is an episode about your mountaintop experience, but here's an example of, of what I'm talking about. Megan just graduated from college. She did. All right. In all of her college career, how many times have I asked what her grades were? Never. How many report cards have I ever seen? Never. Not one. Not one. Because do you want to know why? It's her journey. It's her journey. You can go and do whatever you want. You could you could sign up for classes and fail classes. You can you can do whatever you want. It's your journey. It's your journey. This is your experience. Now, let me say, if you don't graduate within four years, <laughs> you're, done. you're on your own. But <laughs> but but I, it, even in high school, I mean, McKenna, yeah. I mean, I you tell me sometimes what her, because she just uh, finished the her junior year with a 4.6 GPA. Oh. But so I know this, but even with, with Matthew, with McKenna, in, in the last 10 years, how many times have I ever asked, hey, what's their report card? 
Never. Hey, how how are they doing on the, on keeping up with their assignments and getting them done on time? How many times have I ever asked those, those questions? Never, because in our house, it was more important for your character. Yes. And well, grades don't really have anything to do with character, but your character has to do with your grades. And when I hear that, I, it I, more than... Because when I hear character, I still have some conditioned ideas. Okay. To have good character means this, this, this. And I don't believe that. I I know you don't either. No. So for anybody else who heads, it's all about character. Well, it sounds to me like you've got standards for them to live up to. No. I think what Stephanie is saying, and and I'm not going to put words in her mouth, but I'm going to say it as I say it. Character, yes. But character means living in alignment with who you feel you want to be in this world. Yes. That's character. Character is integrity. Integrity is in alignment with who you feel is the authentic person you are. Yes. And we gave our kids that. And I remember, so um, I had always in my life had a desire to get a tattoo. Yep. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But I did not just want a tattoo. I wanted something that meant something. And um, I I now have three. Um, I probably won't get any more because my pain threshold is decreasing as I age. Um, and yeah, but, um, so when I came back, I knew that, um, I knew that this was this, this moment, this experience, this change in my life was going to be my first tattoo. Um, I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know, but I knew that like I was on the right, I was on the right path. I was on, I was on the way. And, um, and I had a few more experiences in 2012 that actually led me to my first tattoo that, that I got. Um, and, um, it's the outline of, of Minnie Mouse and in the center, it says free. When I first got it, I had, um, an aunt of mine um, give me negative feedback on it because why would you put words on your body? Like, I, I don't care if you get a tattoo, it's your body, but why would you put words in it? I said, well, clearly it's a word that means something to me and it's my body, not yours. So what you have to say really doesn't matter to me. Like, it, you don't have that that influence over me. It, it's already there. I'm not going to go take it out because you don't like it. Um and I forgot where I was going with that, but um, but I knew when I came down that 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 experience was gonna was gonna be part of my tattoo, and I knew that free was going to be part of it. Yeah, I did, and um, and then later in April of 2012, um, I went on a girls' trip with my friend Sarah, and um, we went to what was it called? called um social media moms oh yeah and in disney Disney. we went to disney um they had this uh conference called social media moms and we were podcasting together at the time we were very much social media moms yep and um and uh i had this moment we were in animal kingdom it was an after park close um party so it was all just this this group of women from this conference and um safari minnie and mickey were there and we stood in line and um 
I mean, I've been to Disney so many times. When you worked in insurance, we went to Disney like every other year. Yep. It was it was not a new thing for me to to go to stand in line to see characters to to do any to those were never big deals. Like it, it's something that I was used to. But I remember standing in line thinking this feels different. And when it was my turn and I went up and I'm standing in front of Safari Mini. Second most freeing moment of my life because I gave myself the permission to free the little girl inside of me that I had been protecting since I was a little girl. And the knowledge and the knowing that it is okay to let her out. I don't have to keep her under lock and key to protect her. Um, And it is okay to be childlike sometimes. And it is okay to be childlike all the time. Yep. And um, so that, that, that is why Minnie Mouse is the outline of, um, my tattoo she has always been my favorite character she is sassy she speaks her mind she loves those around her but she takes nothing <laughs> she yeah she, she's she's my person <laughs> she's your um, spirit guide she is my spirit guide so um so so that that's how i ended up with with the outline of, of Minnie Mouse and the word free in the middle as, as my first tattoo. And, um, and when I, so my, my dad, um, I, I, I told both of my parents about it before I got it. And, um, my dad who is very much against tattoos, um, or was at the time, I don't know how he feels about them now. Um, when I sat down and I was telling him what it meant to me, I said, you know, I fell on, um, what's that thing called? Um, what is it called? At, at the park that goes... An, the merry-go-round? The, or is the, it a merry-go-round? Yeah, is that so. what it's called? Because yeah. it's not a carousel. That's what's got it's the horse. It's a merry-go-round. So I fell on a merry-go-round when I was um, a toddler and cracked my chin. Um, and I have a scar from that. I had surgery. I have scars from that. There are things in my life that have happened to me that have left scars. I have just healed from my internal scars or from my internal wounds. You can't see those scars. And that's what this tattoo represents. Mm. Is the healing from my internal wounds. Yeah. So it's my scar too. Yeah. Anyway. And what I love about this is that you know, with the spiritual journey that I've been on. And it came home and it was a little bigger than what I told Cliff it was going to be. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> a little bigger. That's cool. It's it's all good now. So here's what I want to say is that I learned something just this past year about something that's called inner child healing as, as a spiritual practice. And I didn't know what your, your mountaintop experience and your time 
in Disney with that experience. I mean, I knew about these experiences. We've talked about that, and I knew the transformation, but I would have never... I, until just as you were talking just now, it's like oh, in this in this episode, it's like oh wow that sh- she went through a lot of inner child healing there, mm-hmm. and that is and that's why you experienced that transformation. Your your inner child, your inner Stephanie has the little girl has been out to play, mm-hmm. and she and that is and that is that part of you that I that is like wow. This is the uniqueness that is you. Uh, this is the you say you came back a new woman, and and I I understand and I I agree with that language exactly in the heart in the way you've meant it. And another way of saying the same thing, but it sounds different. It's not. But what happened was I believe that you remembered your original identity mm-hmm. prior to all of the conditioning. Right. It's like you went to, before you adopted everyone's expectation, expectations and their beliefs about who you should be and how you should show up in this world, before all of that, this girl who came home from Colorado had always been there. But... It, it's it's like taking the chains coming off mm-hmm. or all of the expectations, the beliefs, the the guilt, the shame, and all of that other stuff. It's like, wow, let's just set all this aside. It's like, hmm. And, and the real you is like, oh my gosh, this yes. is, let's go have some fun. And we've been having fun ever since. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> Megan was in high school and, um, I was driving a group of kids somewhere because I did that a lot then. And and we're having fun and we're laughing. We might have been singing. We might have, you know, doing doing silly stuff. And she's like, Mom, you're so silly. You act like such a child. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's not thank, bad. Thank, thank you. you. Um, I, I think what I told her at the time is because when I was a child, I had to act like a grown-up. And... Um, this is one of this is one of my greatest problems with our culture is that from the time our kids are five and enter kindergarten, it's sit still, don't talk, um, do this, look that way, don't do this. You and color you're crushing in, color inside co- the line. Exactly, you're you're crushing who they actually are, and they're producing all of these little robots. And so I have taken the three that have been entrusted to me. And tried to work against the constant crushing of who they are. Um, one is doing okay, one is doing really well, and one is still stuck <laughs> in the system. <laughs> mm. You know, but everybody's on their but own everybody journey. Is, and, and that's what I'm saying. Everybody is on their own journey. And it is not my sole responsibility to devil- to deliver that to them. It's their responsibility to find it on their own. I can only be the best example of myself that I can be to them. I love it. So there you go. We've alluded to it a, a great deal. And tonight or today or whenever you're listening whenever to you're this, listening. <laughs> you get to hear about Stephanie's mountaintop experience. Pretty awesome. Hey, I feel inspired to say something. Okay. Uh, and obviously, this is a entrepreneurial couples podcast. That's that's who we target. It, it doesn't matter if you're not married or if you're not an entrepreneurial couple. 
even if you're still listening to us, we love that you're listening. But that's who we think of when we're mm-hmm. we're creating this content. Uh, there's one thing I want to say is that if you'd like to be in a paid mastermind group uh, with other entrepreneurial couples, Stephanie and I host and facilitate a paid mastermind group that meets every week for 90 minutes where married couples who are where at least one of the people in the in the relationship are has a business uh, full-time self-employed and we focus mostly on the marriage and the personal sides of things in this particular mastermind group and if you'd like to be in a group with your partner in life and in business uh, and, and or in business, then feel free to reach out to me, Cliff at CliffRavenscraft.com. And I have not talked to Stephanie about this, but my guess is that if somebody, if there is a woman who has listened to this episode who would be interested in potential one-on-one coaching, if it's just a single call or, or maybe some sort of relationship, if you, would, if you feel in your heart that you would love to have an opportunity to talk with Stephanie about some of the things that you need to be, break free from, I, I can't promise you anything because I have not talked to Stephanie about this, but I felt prompted. If you email me, cliff at cliffravenscraft.com, is Stephanie available, is Stephanie available for one-on-one coaching? So email me that question only if you feel prompted. And if you do, I'll talk to Stephanie about it and, and and get you the details if that's available. Is that okay that I say that? Yes. Cool. All right. So I, I just it just came out. I, I'm just realizing that as as I hear as I'm sitting here listening, I'm sensing, wow, there are some women who are hearing what you're saying, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is what I've always wanted. How do I get that? I have so many questions. And my guess is that you, what I know about you is that you would love to help them find their own answers to those questions. Absolutely. Because if we're going to tie this back to um, the big leap. Oh, yeah. um, That would be my zone of genius. (laughs) It definitely is Stephanie's zone of genius. Helping women and just anyone in general, but mostly women, break free from the expectations, the molds, the guilt, the shame, the breaking free from anything that's keeping you from being authentically who you are. You know, so I I mentioned that the, and this is just this is just a tangent. Um I mentioned that free is in my tattoo. Um and in 2017, which is when you had your big league moment, um I, before then, we went to um uh, we went to Nashville and saw the Soul to Soul tour with Tim McGraw and Faith Hill and uh, for my birthday and um, she Faith Hill performed a song um, that night that I had never heard before I was quite surprised that she had a song I'd never heard before and um, and was curious about it so when we got back to the hotel um, i started you know googling I found um, a whole album that I didn't know about that was released when she left her label and um, the song was simply titled Free. I resonated with the song when I heard it before I went looking for it. But, um, but the song is simply titled Free. And um, when we came home, we decided we wanted to go see that show again. And so we saw it in Nashville and in Cincinnati. And, um, and the night that we saw it in Cincinnati the first verse she sang directly to me <laughs> and 
it just free. It is a word that we use often, can mean many things, and can change you radically. Awesome. All right. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until next time, we encourage you to live your life with purpose.